I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie weekly. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly. It's Gavin Casey with you here and on today's show we're going to look ahead to Connacht Munster which takes place a few hours after we record on this Friday morning slash afternoon. Uh, joining us as well to discuss Sean O'Brien's big move to NACE RFC and a massive transfer as well on the Ulster rugby front is the 42's rugby journalist Murray Kinsella. Murray, how are you? How's your day going? Yeah, all good so far, Gav. Improved by seeing your uh, lovely face. How, how are things you're in? <laughs> uh, all the better now, I have to say, <laughs> after that wonderful compliment. Um, yeah, listen, we had a question in actually from the members WhatsApp group that I'm just going to kick off with because... It opens up the chat nicely, I think, about Connacht and Munster. We can't really delve into the game in a huge amount of detail, purely because the turnaround between recording and kickoff is short. We're going to dive right into it, obviously, on Monday for the 42 members with Birch. And it's members.the42.e if you want to get out ahead of that and sign up. Join us for Monday pods, Wednesday pods, post-match Ireland pods, etc. William in the group, though, Murray, asks, who needs the win more, Munster or Connacht? I'll say Connacht just just marginally because they're both really desperate for success, obviously first and foremost, but also performance, which we haven't seen from either side. They've both been poor so far, and there's no way, no two ways around that. It's 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 been really disappointing so far. It is early days. Connacht have had a difficult run, as we've discussed, and Munster are betting in a lot of new things, as we've discussed also in the the Monday pod, but. They haven't been good performances so far. I think given that Connacht are back home, they've been on tour. They obviously opted to go on tour to South Africa early because they had to finish putting that new 4G pitch into the sports ground. So that put them on the back foot and, and to have such a difficult draw was was tough on them. But um, yeah, they're back at home and they desperately need to, to pick up any points. They're rock bottom of the table with none so far. Um, and that doesn't diminish from the fact that Munster urgently need to show more as well and certainly need to start picking up more points as well. The, the, the competition in the table is now so ferocious that although it's early days, it's not, I don't think, hyperbolic to, to talk about uh, teams potentially missing out on Europe and, and leaving themselves really chasing that. So they're both in need, Gav, but I do think with Connick's home advantage, they're the ones with that little hint of, of desperation. Yeah, you, Birch, and Kieran Kennedy were very strong discussing both teams' performances at the weekend on the Monday pod. I was at the Zebra game covering it for the 42, and it felt as though afterwards, Monster fans, even though Graham Rowntree and the team had gotten off the mark with their first win of the season, the supporters needed some kind of spark just to get them a little bit excited. I know it's kind of the way you're going to be naturally excited anyway, and probably almost frothing at the mouth in anticipation of it if you're a Munster or a Connacht fan but it it has felt weirdly stale despite the fact that it is quite new and then you see Joey Carberry named at fullback which is a move that a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time it's a move that Stuart Lancaster flagged well in advance of Carberry even moving south in the first place it feels like a no-brainer purely because we now know that Ben Healy and to uh, an increasing degree from what we've seen of Jack Crowley. They're both very capable out-halves with huge potential. And we've seen a fair bit now of Carberry at out-half for Munster, 
mostly operating in a dis- dysfunctional attack. Uh, I think that is always going to be a caveat to his performances. It doesn't mean he's been blameless in that. It hasn't always worked out. But we know he's at least a competent out-half for Munster. And yet, the unknown is what he can do from full-back. We sort of suspect uh, he will be very effective there. What are your thoughts on that move? And do you see it as being potentially just one for this weekend? Or could it be a more permanent transition? Well, there certainly uh, needs most to this, to be honest, because there's a big injury list in their back three Conway Earls Zebo, um, Mike Haley's not there plus player Liam Coombs is another one um, there's players in the Emerging Ireland Tour with Nash and Daly um, I'm probably forgetting a couple of back three players there even as well so there's a lengthy list of guys who aren't available and there really aren't many options for them all that said it's one that certainly excites me and I'm really intrigued to see how he goes with that little bit less onus to be the 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 boss and the main play caller obviously he'll provide strong elements of that of that to Ben Healy and that'll be a, a big plus for Ben Healy is that there'll be a little bit more responsibility shared around there'll be another really keen and keenly trained set of eyes further out the pitch or on the other side of the rock or um on the other side of the scrum or or whatever on on, the, on their set piece attacks so i think it gives both Carberry and Healy um, advantages in their play. It would be great to see him being the the guy who beats defenders a little bit more often as well, something that was hugely prominent in his game as a younger player. And just with the nature of being an out-half and all the traffic that's in front of you and around you, you obviously don't get too many chances to go and jink around defenders. But it would be lovely to see some of his footwork and acceleration and balance the, the running skills that he has, as well as using the other skills like distribution and kicking that are, that are prominent in his out-half play to have his right-booted option um, further out the back line, as well as the left, which he's been working on, I know, quite hard, is a, is a real um, uh, strength, I think, in, in this Munster back line. So it's definitely one that Andy Farrell has a, a level of intrigue in. I'm sure Mike Prendergast is the kind of attacking-minded coach who thinks about those strengths I've mentioned further out the back line and, and on the other side of the rook. So it gives a lovely option to both Ireland and, and Munster even in your your 23 and how you put together your squad um, and the ability to, to slot back there. So while it is dictated to a degree by the circumstances and, and that lengthy list of absentees, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last we see of it. I think he will obviously play big games at 10 for Munster still. He wants to play there as well as, as far as we know still. But um, it's really exciting for him to, to show that he still has this string to his bow. Our intrepid reporter Bernard Jackman was breaking transfer news as he tends to <laughs> this time on twitter yesterday he was between pods we'll leave him off <laughs> uh, he reported that rory sutherland is ulster bound obviously the difficult situation at worcester dictates that he is free to join another club and i suppose just before we talk about this move from an ulster perspective murray it is good on human level that sutherland can move to ulster which in a weird way is actually closer to home for him than Worcester like he's a Melrose guy I think which is up in the border regions about half an hour from Edinburgh it's what a 50 minute flight from Belfast to Edinburgh all told you're probably looking at a two and a half hour journey home if you want to see family etc which is a lot shorter actually than uh, popping up from Worcester and just to extend that we know that Duan uh, van der Merve is heading back to Edinburgh, a city with which he's familiar. I think my sister is kind of friendly with his partner, and I know she's delighted to be going back there. So it's nice that it seems to be working out for them. 
You have Joe Batley heading to Bristol, which is only about an hour down the road as well. Like, first and foremost, it's just good to see guys not only getting moves, um, which is the most important thing career-wise, but moves that... Uh, aren't necessarily massive departures in the sense that like they have to completely reshape their lives, I guess, or um, moves that on a personal level should suit them as well. That's brilliant. And, and it's fantastic that it's happened so quickly for for these guys. And fingers crossed, there's an, another trickle of them announced in the next few days. There's a few of them gone to Bath initially on short-term deals, but you don't know what might happen there. They have a bit of a cash down in Bath, so they might be able to make them longer-term deals. The sad reality of it is that there's another 50 players who we're not going to mention here senior and academy who maybe even won't get deals like that's the scary reality of this they've just been overnight I suppose it's been it's coming a while I suppose with this story but it's happened relatively quickly when you're talking about professional sport and, and they're left without jobs all the staff behind the scenes and you hear some of the stories um, about people who are so wedded to that club um, and are now left out without employment it, it is a real sad situation and and really cruel for a lot of people who've put a lot of time and effort into that club so fingers crossed we see more of these these transfers happening and yes I know people will probably look at Rory Sutter and go he's not NIQ or he's going to deny guys opportunity to play or, or, or whatever they might say but on a human level amazing that he's so quickly into another job because even at the best of times rugby is a is a rocky enough career you can be ended overnight by injury it's relatively short, six or seven years on average. So you want to get the most out of it. And he will now, it looks like, bounce back and, and be part of a, a really strong Ulster team. What do you make of it then from Ulster's perspective as a signing? How, how I guess, how beneficial a signing is it? A brilliant signing from, from Ulster's point of view. An excellent top tier, test level, British and Irish Lions 20 cap, um, Scotland international loose head prop, a guy who's mobile, skillful, explosive. He's got a bit of edge about him. Um, I know some referees have maybe had him in their bad books with his the the angling of a scrummaging, but I've seen him have brilliant days there. Indeed, against Ireland, I remember it was in a 2020 where he just went to town on the Irish scrum. So he's got quality in that area. And it's in a part of the squad where Ulster have been looking to, to bring in that player of a, of a, a level above what, what they have. He adds, like we've talked about Ulster's pack being, you know, the doubt in the back of your mind. It, it instantly adds a, a really strong player, proven player to that that mix and, and I think makes them a better team on those bigger occasions. And there's already been loads to like about the Ulster squad, but if and when this is confirmed, it gives them another layer to that. It sounds like it's going to be until the end of this season, uh, initially just a contract. And they're still chasing from all I hear Stephen Kitts off for after the World Cup. It sounds like that one is nearing maybe completion and, and what an addition that would be. But it's certainly an area they've been looking for for um, a boost and, and they've got one here. Yeah, do you anticipate that maybe there's a little bit of a switcheroo there? It's not necessarily Sutherland going to Stormers, of course, but just that this is strictly a short-term thing until you bring Kitts off in and then Sutherland is... I mean, he'll be assessing his options anyway in the interim. He might be lining up a new club as we speak. But what I'm asking, I suppose, is is this purely going to be a short-term thing or do you see potential for extension there at all? You never you never know, but it, it certainly seems that way at the moment. And it's one that's just come out of the blue, obviously. Like, no one foresaw Worcester being in this situation only a few months ago. And certainly Ulster and the RFU probably didn't plan for it. Um, but it's happened and there's a really good player available in a position where Ulster feel they need one. 
and I'm kind of and this isn't based on anything I've heard but I'm looking at it from the outside and going maybe the fact that Ulster got so shafted can I use that word in the pod by the Emerging Ireland tour and there has definitely been friction there with the RFU as far as we know maybe that actually helped in this situation where they go to them and say listen you've effed us over there you can give us one back here by letting us this uh, <laughs> this addition to our squad um, but I mean if it helps Ulster win a trophy that's good for Irish rugby I know that Andrew Warwick and Eric O'Sullivan will have woken up or seen Birch's tweet last night and thought what's going on here I'm going to be denied minutes Callum Reid obviously is, is only 23 isn't he? he's with Emerging Ireland at the moment but that's sometimes the reality of, of rugby um, and Ulster from a coaching point of view from the recruitment side have added a really good player Ulster are at home to Ospreys this weekend home win for you there yeah I think so it was a really frustrating experience for them again last weekend as, as we got into on Monday with, with Birch a brilliant game in torrential conditions but they just lacked that little bit of um, grit is maybe the wrong word but that that ability to manage those tough conditions they left themselves with too much of a mountain to climb and the fight back was brilliant and they missed a big chance obviously with, with Aaron Sexton but it was a real uphill battle to, to reel Leinster in with, with those conditions and just a word on Leinster they're at home to the Sharks as well Sharks currently fifth in the table do you anticipate any trouble for Leinster there? I can't quite see it I've watched those Sharks games and they are still definitely tuning up they're absent their Springboks still in this touring squad and I think they've shown a few deficiencies that Leinster will will pick at the mall being one they've conceded three mall tries and as we've seen with Leinster's mall it's in really good nick particularly going forward and they'll obviously have a strong team out so I would guess that that would be a, a strong enough Leinster win at home Sharks have dangers and, and Noah McNamara obviously being there gives them that inside track on Leinster but uh, yeah I think with Johnny Sexton hopefully back steering the ship Leinster should uh, have a good strong win to speak about a Leinster man, a Leinster coach, uh, there's a question here from Neve. Do you think Sean O'Brien might break out in a rash at even the thought of playing for Nace and not Tullow? <laughs> I'd say he's just going to be delighted to get back playing rugby. It does sound like he was really, really uh, frustrated with the application for him to play with his own club being denied. And I think we talked about that at the time. Obviously, the regulations are there. There have been instances in the past where maybe there's been um, opportunity given to other guys coming back from pro rugby, but that is what it is. Tolo uh, appealed it and 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 still met a, a kind of brick wall of resistance. So so Nace are the beneficiaries, and it's just really exciting. It would have been unbelievably exciting for junior club rugby, but it's fantastic for the AL. AL's back in the headlines. I would guess that people are going to flock to these games far more readily. Four knots and Nace is going to be jam-packed whenever he's making his debut and the away games are going to be uh, fixtures of real excitement I was talking to someone who coaches in 1B and they said that the WhatsApp groups are absolutely hopping with this news and it'll just be fascinating to see and hear how he gets on he's finished with Pro Roby as, as we know and definitely slowed down with injuries but he's such a force of nature that there's still great athleticism there he's such a savvy clever player with so much leadership and obviously those coaching traits now that's a, a big part of it Johnny Murphy the, the NACE coach mentioned how much he'll impart on others and, and I know they're excited about getting his contact skills inside into the club as well as everything else he brings from from the game but I can just only imagine around the club how much all the kids in NACE are excited and 
people from the other 1B clubs are, are going to be, as I say, turning up in their drove. So it's great for the league. The, the more exposure, the better. And I think good on him, you know, he's always maintained that he loved club rugby and wanted to be part of it. And it frustrated him that it wasn't given the kudos it deserved. And he's put his, um, his actions where his mouth was. And now he's going to do it out in the pitch. And it's fantastic for the AIA. I know Birch has trained or well worked with Johnny in a coaching capacity. I wonder did he broker this deal? We'll ask him on Monday. <laughs> Probably. Is there a deal that Birch did. doesn't broker these days? <laughs> <laughs> There's a question here from Peter, and I'm not sure if you have the answer to this. I, I, I guess it's um, something we'll only learn as O'Brien's nay's career goes on. But he's wondering, will he play in all the matches when Leinster are at home? Or how many games do you anticipate he'll actually play? Because there are, of course, logistical issues where clashes will apply. Mm. I would, Given that we saw him in the coaching box the last day with, with Leinster, obviously that's going to take his... I would imagine that'll be um, the, the preference. That role wasn't previously uh, the kind of match day one when Dennis Leamy was there. But now Sean O'Brien has certainly been pushed into a more prominent role. He was alongside Leo Cullen. He was involved in those discussions during the game. Even on the, the training pitch, it sounds like he has got a lot more responsibility. So I can only imagine that that's um, priority number one. And yeah, there may be clashes there, but with Friday night games or, or whatever, you would hope to see plenty of them in, in nice colours. It would be amazing if more players did it. And I know it's, it's easy for me to say, because at the end of a professional career, Jesus, you're, you're battered, you're bruised, you're feeling it. But like if you felt in any way physically capable or if you still felt that attachment to a club, even to give it a season, almost purely to get these headlines, Murray, and, and so that the AIL is uh, at the tip of people's tongues for a few weeks at a time, like just more so than it typically is. It is only one player and yet the exposure for the league and it's Division 1B as well. Uh, this week has been absolutely massive. It's just like, it's kind of a good news story. Isn't it totally it? is. The more of it, the better. I'm sure whoever missed out in the next back row on those days is going to be frustrated. But at the same time, they get to play with Sean O'Brien or be in the match day squad with him. And everyone else who gets to play against him, even aside from us publicly and the attention will attract to the IL, it's unreal for those guys who give so much of their lives to an amateur sport. It's really time-consuming and there's so much effort involved it's virtually akin to to being a professional rugby player when you're you're in those top divisions of the AIL in terms of the, the amount of time and effort and everything that goes into it so I think it's great for those guys to be able to benchmark themselves against someone like Sean O'Brien and I'd imagine there'd be some uh, people out to kind of prove a point against Shawnee. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the abuse he'll get from the sidelines. You know, if like he's if he's holding on to a ball or if he's off his feet, like it's just going to be so magnified. But he will absolutely relish he'll be throwing it back. Yeah, that role. he's well able. <laughs> <laughs> One arm on the ball, the other hand flipping the bird. Probably, yeah. No, it's going to be really cool to see how that plays out. We will leave it there. We'll be back on Monday, Murray, with Birch, looking back over all of the URC action. Anything else that pops up over the weekend? In the meantime, have a great weekend yourself. Cheers, Gav. You too. And to everybody else, if you're not yet a member of The 42, it's members.the42.ie. You can sign up, join us for all of those members' exclusive pods on Mondays with myself, Murray and Bernard, on Wednesdays with Murray and Owen Tulin, and post-match Ireland pods. They're going to be coming around the corner fairly quickly in November. We're looking forward to getting a few of those out as well. Have a great weekend to all of our listeners. Mind yourselves, enjoy the rugby. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs>
Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and he 